You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. We all went to medical school, but nobody mentioned that a few business school classes would be vital to ensuring the success of our private practices. Between the documentation demands of insurance companies, keeping up with government standards, and protecting ourselves from medical malpractice, it's almost impossible to understand how we still have time to see patients efficiently. What should every practice know to keep patient flow consistent without disrupting the mood of the practice? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Here to discuss the patient flow issue with us is Lori Highland-Robertson. Lori is Senior Editor, Projects for Physicians Practice, America's leading practice management journal. Lori also contributes to a variety of physicians' practice publications and educational activities and authors the Practice Makeover column for Physicians Practice, American's leading practice management journal. She conducts research for Physicians Practice and serves as editor for the Patient-Centered Practice, a CME series that provides specialty physicians and office staff with operational advice and tools to improve patient care. Welcome to the show, Lori. Thank you, Dr. Caskell. Lori, we hear a lot about things like patient flow these days. And I need some help kind of understanding what that really means to the practicing physician. Well, a lot of people might think that patient flow refers mainly to patient's wait time in the practice. But we're also talking about phone management, check-in, check-out processes, scheduling. The problem is that you need to get more patients in and out than ever before. Treat them and street them, as they say. Exactly. And the faster your cycle time that is, how long it takes a patient to move through every station of your practice that she needs to be seen at, the faster you can get her in and out and on her way, the more patients you can see per day, improving your income and improving their access. When you go into a practice to evaluate that practice, do you carry a stopwatch with you? I don't typically get down to that level of detail, but that is something that I recommend to practices that are looking to get a handle on their patient flow. And really every practice could probably stand to get a better handle on it. All right, I, I have a challenging question for you. Let's say you have a physician who is very busy, who likes to spend time with their patients, and runs historically, chronically, an hour late every day, no matter what that person does to try and change her habits, she runs an hour late. Patients are aware of it, staff's aware of it, everyone's aware of it, yet um, she has no desire to change. What do you do with that person who does not care about patient flow? That scenario comes up quite often. A lot of times we see it in group practices where most of the physicians are on time and there's that one senior partner who's always an hour behind. I would say to first figure out what it is that's causing that delay. And if it's simply that that physician needs an hour to treat each and every patient, then a decision needs to be made. Perhaps that physician needs to make a trade-off between income and number of patients seen, and you simply start scheduling your patients only once per hour. Well, that, that sounds like a lovely solution. Let's, let's assume that's been tried and uh, the physician doesn't like it. Like, no, I want to go back to, to seeing as many patients as possible and doesn't, isn't really motivated by money and uh, isn't really aware that the patients are waiting so much and doesn't care. Well, it's a I tough one for you, Lori. It is tough. You're, I'm you're... trying to get some free advice for my own practice here so I don't have to hire you. <laughs> I'm not that expensive, honestly. <laughs> How much is a consultant such as yourself to come in and do a practice makeover for me? Now that you've been on the show. Well, I don't do consulting per se, 
The practice makeover feature in the journal is free. How do I get into that journal, Lori? You can visit our website, physiciansmpractice.com. You knew this was coming. Great. And there is an application form. I believe it's sitting on our home. There's a link sitting on our home page right now. Do I mention I know you? It won't make it. It won't make it. But you're the one who decides which one you pick. I do, and I often consult with the executive editor and other members of the staff. All right. So back to the show. Laura, can you give me an example of a practice that struggled with patient flow, one maybe you've written about and one perhaps you have solved the flow problem? I'm thinking of a pediatric practice I visited. They had a full schedule, but everybody was feeling chronically stressed. The little hassles were starting to add up. People were missing their lunches. So I went in and I walked around with some of the physicians and with some of the nurses. And I didn't carry a stopwatch, but I did note exactly what processes were going on. And one of the first things I noticed was that the nurses were leaving the exam rooms several times during every exam to get, say, a specific kind of thermometer. And I went to the managing partner and and told her what I had noticed. And she said, oh, that's not the way it happens. Every staff member has a complete set of tools. They shouldn't be leaving the room at all. And I said, but that's not what I observed. So a lot of times physicians don't know that there's a problem at all. I frequently come out of my exam room saying, I need a reflex hammer. Why can't we have a reflex hammer in every room? And I go insane over a, over a, you know, a, a little reflex hammer that should be in the same place in every room. So is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? That is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Your time is the most valuable commodity the practice has. You should never be spending time looking for a reflex hammer. Or a pen. Or a pen. Or a tongue depressor. Exactly. Or a light bulb that's burnt out on a uh, otoscope. Exactly. Don't get me started. (laughs) Ideally, you would have in place a process to make sure that all the equipment you need is in place and working before each clinic session. So ideally, you need somebody whose job description is to go through every room, make sure every room is stocked appropriately, and fits that physician's particular needs. Yes, that really should be a part of the task flow for I'm gi- every I'm giving day. that to you so that you can add that to your evaluation when you go in. Say, this is what you need now. You need a specific person to pay $40,000 a year to go through the rooms so that the doctor doesn't get angry. But it might, it might pan into the doctor spending more time in the room, seeing more patients. You never know. Right. That 40000 might be worth it. What is the Lori Highland Robertson number one recommendation for improving patient flow? My number one recommendation is to measure your patient flow. You need to identify the problems in your specific practice. They're going to be different for everyone. You need to do that in order to prove that the changes you ultimately implement are working. You'll have to boost buy-in from your staff because nobody likes change. And you personally need to know that the changes you're implementing are being successful. It seems to me that by the time we call you or one of your colleagues, stuff has hit the fan. Um, We're being reactive instead of proactive. You know, if I want to run the perfect practice, I should always be looking at workflow issues and processes around my office and try to be reactive instead of waiting for a problem to rear its ugly head. That's very true. Fortunately, a, a bright spot that I'm seeing is that physicians who are just starting out have started to look at these issues from the very beginning rather than reacting yeah. 
as problems arise. What about patient satisfaction surveys? Do those work? I think that they're an important tool, provided you use the data you get back. You have to remember that patients aren't judging your practice based on your clinical acumen. Right. That's true. They will leave my practice if someone looks at them wrong at the front desk. I could be the most brilliant heart surgeon in the world, and they would leave my practice because they don't like how they were looked at. Right. They're basing their judgments on what's accessible to them in their daily lives. And I have to admit that I left a practice myself recently because I couldn't stand the squabbling that went on at the Mm -hmm. front desk in front of the patient. It's quite unprofessional. And I think there's some statistic that an unhappy patient, once they leave an office, tells maybe 14 or 17 people of their negative experience, whereas if someone's happy with their doctor, they don't tell as many people. Are you familiar with that stat? I've heard that you want to aim for... Not pissing anyone off. Exactly. But again, those are things that are out of the doctor's control. I'm in the back of the office seeing patients, and I cannot be up at the front desk watching my front staff and watching how they're treating every patient and uh, listening to them on the phone. You know, that's micromanaging. That's meddling too much. That's true, and that's an important point. But as I said earlier, a lot of times the physician doesn't know when there's a problem. Part of that is because staff tends to shield the physician. They're protective of both the physician's time and of their own jobs. Another thing to remember is that only a small fraction of the time patients spend in the doctor's office is actually with the physician. The physician doesn't and shouldn't see all the background work that's going on, but they do need to know that it's occurring And they need to know how it's going in general because the physician is usually the one who can direct change if there is a problem. Lori, do you have any benchmarks you like to use uh, about flow, where the bottlenecks occur, you know, how much time a patient should be at the front desk, how much time they should be in the lab, how much time they should wait for the physician, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I think it's up to every practice to set those limits for themselves, but I do think that it's important that you set some benchmarks for yourself. A really rough guide is that if a patient is spending more than an hour total in your office, that's too long. So what is the ideal number? Let's say they have a sore throat and uh, we want to compete with these minute clinics that are popping up at every Walgreens and CVS. How fast should we get them through the organization? The answer is fast enough so that they're (laughs) satisfied and they don't go out and... And They don't feel rushed. Yes, they don't feel rushed and they feel that they've gotten what they needed to get out of the visit. That's a tough thing to create, the ideal practice visit where everybody feels they've gotten their money's worth. It's a delicate balance and it's always evolving. What do you think is more important, flow from a doctor's point of view or from the patient's point of view? Or or are you going to say, well, of course it's both? I'm going to say, of course it's both. (laughs) As we mentioned earlier, a lot of times patients use slow types of issues as a proxy for clinical care. And patients do take note of operational problems happening. I talked with a father in this pediatrics practice that we were discussing earlier, and he he was very expertly schlepping his two very young daughters around, and I was very impressed by that. So I went over to talk to him, and I said, how do, you, how do you feel things run in this practice? And he had a very good handle on what was going on. He said, well, of course, the physicians are great, but the wait times are less than ideal. There's always a wait here, and the way staff moves around seems to me to be very inefficient. So patients often tell me that same thing. The care here is fantastic, 
although, of course, they're using different criteria to right. determine what they perceive to be fantastic care, if only they could get their phone answering process to work just as well as the care process does or their appointment booking. So patients really are taking note of these kinds of things. But on the physician side, there are only so many hours in the day. You can only see so many patients before you go crazy or your care is compromised. And when you have a smooth patient flow, you tend to have better care naturally. You'll have less stress and you'll be able to more comfortably see those extra patients. And on that note, I will say thank you very much for coming on the show. It was my pleasure. And our next show should be called If Only. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com and let us know what you think of the show. And thanks for listening. 